the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I am the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. Contenders, you will go on my first whistle. Gladiators, you will go on my second whistle. The rest of you can do what you like, because I'm not blowing it a third time. And on the gauntlet of Bolton Wanderers headlines this week, Hang Tough, the Whites Impress at Luton and Accrington, Cry Wolf, the True and Terrible Transfer Rumours. In Vogue, Why Everyone Loves Nathan Baxter. And Wonderwall, which former Bolton striker could do a passable impression of David Gray? All this on the podcast that struggles to get up the travelator. So, Felgate bangs it forward. It's Callaghan now. The Bolton youngster plays a good ball. This is a super ball. For Thomas and it's Thomas now. Can he get it? Yes, he can. Yes! Goal! What a superb goal! Brilliant! The Bolton youngster set it up nicely there. And it took really well there by John Thomas. Bolton 2, Wrexham 1, John Thomas 2. He really is finding the back of the net, but what a good play. What a super ball through there by young Ian Callaghan there on his debut. His first Bolton match, his first senior match. What a cracking ball played through to Thomas. And Thomas doesn't make any mistakes. And now it's time to introduce my co-host and a man who, if he had the time, would definitely have been applying to go on Gladiators this weekend. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? Yes, I'm good. And to be honest, with a new barn, it feels like I'm a gladiator battling <laughs> all sorts of elements at the moment. So, uh, yeah, I would have I'd have been well up for that. Yeah, nappies tied to either side of a stick. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. a giant pugil. <laughs> um, right, I, I've... I, Right from the very top, I'm going to ask you, what's your gladiator name? Oh, Henry the... Henry the... I don't know, Henry the Hammer? Henry the Hammer. I mean, it's good, but it's not great. Do you want to take a quiz no. to find out what your gladiator name really is? I think I'm going to have to. Right, okay. So it's uh, it's about seven seven very short questions. Um, so age... Actually, I already know that. I don't, you don't even need to answer that one. Do you work in an office? No. You do not? Uh, At home. What uh, do you do? You prefer uh, compassion, peace, or personal growth? Oh, this is deep. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, people may laugh at this with me being on this podcast, but probably personal growth. Oh, personal growth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're going nowhere, pal. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> right. I'm going to answer that one for you, and I'm going to answer that one for you because we don't want to get too deep here. Um, how often do you work out? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it uh, depends what you mean workout. Actually, physical workout to the gym, uh, never. Right. But um, playing five-a-side football, once, twice a week. Oh, okay. I'll upgrade you a little bit then. I'll upgrade you a bit then. Um, right, okay. Uh, do you dream of animals flying or running away from war? <laughs> <laughs> Obvious questions when you think about it. I don't, yeah, um, I don't know. Flying. Okay. And finally, okay, I've just gone back one. Um, are you male or female? Male. Some of the listeners. I could have made a joke about that, but 2024, no, you no, can't really. No, so no. Uh, just that's like, the very producer, blunt. That's male. the producer you're thinking, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, 
I'm gonna have to, <laughs> there's no way of there's no there's no easy way to say this. Your gladiator's name is Scab. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It, like all I'm thinking of actually is wrestling. Like a m- m- move could be pick for Scab, and I don't know what that would be, but uh, oh, yeah. Well. Uh, I took I took the test uh, yesterday and mine is shovel, so uh, n- <laughs> yeah, neither yeah. of us neither of us are on the top tier level of gladiators. I think we'll be uh, we'll be relegated <laughs> to, uh, to to when Shadow got injured or uh, injured with uh, air quotes. Anyway, uh, let's talk about football um, because that's what people tuned in for. Apparently, um, two cup games this week. Both have gone well. I mean, they didn't. Didn't beat Luton, but they brought uh, brought them back for a replay, and then obviously beating Accrington midweek. We'll start with Aki because I know you were one of the the frozen masses huddled. Did you did you stand behind the goal, or were you one of the posh seats? No, I was in the posh seats. Uh, I've never I've been to Aki a few times. I've never been behind the goal because obviously those tickets sell out mm. uh, like hot cakes, which I'm sure a lot of them oh. would love to have had. I would have loved um, a hotcake last, last night. I would have loved one. I would have, I would have literally yeah. filled my pockets with hotcakes. <laughs> um, but I, I tell you what, for the um, Aki, I, I got a pie. It was a steak and pepper pie, and it was quite nice. I'll, um, on the pie rating, I give it a good, strong 7.5. So mm-hmm. Clayton Park, I think they called it, do yeah, yeah. Um, I would like to say I, I, I know, but they give you a hot drink at Aki, and, and that's about it, really. Um, to be fair, we were lucky to get electricity, so let's just let's just move on. The football, the football warmed us up. Certainly, Dempsey's goal at the end warmed us up because I mean that was a fantastic strike. It was, wasn't it? And it's it's exactly what Bolton needed at that time. Like I I, I truly believe that if Aki would have got a second, we would have gone on and got a third with that type of team now. But I think the 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 game. Was it? I mean, Bolton have been in this situation plenty of times before. They take the lead early doors, and then you expect always oh, could be four or five, and it it doesn't end up being. But to get that goal at that time killed the game off, and then after that, it was uh, you were thinking. I actually thought after that, I thought I'd I'd love Bod Farson to score. Mm. I think he did so well, um, and obviously Jerome, you know, we'll talk about in a second because he's finally scored for us, but. Um, he, he'll get the plaudits, but I thought Bod Varson's hold-up play and his control was, you could tell he's a step above the level he was he was playing against. Yeah, I, I think the, Bob Varson came into it, but it was, it was a rough and ready 15 minutes and then Bob Varson came into it with his touch. I mean, they couldn't get anywhere near him. Jerome's experience kicked in. Dempsey started. Mm. I think... Yeah, I think they had an extra level. It was an awkward game. It was always going to be an awkward game, I think, against Accrington. They had a bit of a point to prove after last season. Uh, it was a typical Aki game, but I do feel a, a growing confidence in Wanderers now with that type of game. They they don't fall apart, you know, anywhere near as often as as they used to. There's a bit there's a bit more sort of solidity and rigidity to them, isn't there? There is, but I will take this point to remind uh, everyone that you did say they would lose last night, last week. I don't remember doing that. I've slept since then, Henry. But yeah, fair enough. Then I'll, <laughs> I'll take. I'll take. No, I did actually, and I think that could be a thing. That could be a thing. I, I may now predict them to lose. They haven't lost. Ergo, um, and that's probably my doing. Probably. Well, yeah, but um, but yeah, you are right. It's um, it. I, I think we the last few years we've uh, well before this season. You go to, and I know last year we did win at Aki and Fleetwood and. 
um, you know, a few of the other smaller grounds. But you, you, you'd go into it thinking, oh, this is doesn't this, you know, Bolton are used to a bigger pitch, bigger stadium. We do well in those matches, but not so much the smaller grounds. And I think they've really addressed that. And yeah, you go into each game now, and um, I think last night there was a little part of me that wondered oh, is it going to go against us because he made so many changes? But I think that was, for me on the whole, apart from getting through and Jerome scoring, the biggest positive is that he made, what, seven changes? Yeah. And, you know, I think um, it's, it, yeah, they, they all played well and they were comfortable and uh, I think that's a great sign for us. Yeah, definitely. Luke, Luke Matheson out on the right-hand side, loads of energy. Uh, Zach Ashworth on the left, good to see him back as well. And yeah, there wasn't a bad performance out there. Everybody was, was very, very, uh, very solid, very professional. It was until Dempsey scored that third one. It was it was maybe a little bit in the balance. You never know what can happen with, with Aki um, when they were pelting the ball. And I do like the look of that Jack Nolan they've got playing on the right-hand side, by the way. I think he was, uh, he was good on the night. Um, he's already scored eight goals this season. I can't see him being with Aki for too much longer. Um, but mm. it was all... Uh, and the other thing is to take into consideration is that, that four of the players and all the subs had all played against Luton at the weekend and earned a really, really hard-fought draw that not many people gave them a, a chance of, of getting there at Kenilworth Road because it's it's been the undoing of a fair few Premier League clubs already. You know, Nobody stopped them scoring with the exception of Spurs, and yet Wanderers come away with a very, very good goalless draw. Yeah, it was a brilliant performance, wasn't it? Um, and, you know, I just feel that it's, it made, for me, it made me comfortable, like, going into next season, it's going to be a, a lot harder than, you can't just judge it off one game against Luton away, but, uh, and again, just point out that I did say it was a winnable game last week and it, I guess in the end it, it could have been but um, Listen, if you want yeah, to gloat, um... go to another podcast this, is, this isn't the one <laughs> I can think of a few that I would yeah, fit in yeah. Um, but uh, yeah it's um, I, I thought the way they played what was nice and Ian ever mentioned this after the game was that um, you know we played our normal game that first half I thought we had a better team we were playing really well we were passing it about I think the Olays came out at one point and against a Premier League side, we really, we we looked, for me, like we could have been, you know, it, it's nice knowing that whether we're playing a Premier League side or whether we play in Accrington, we, we stick to our guns and, and do what we're strong at. And it was good to see that. And, you know, a different day and maybe we get a goal with a few of the chances. But, you know, apart from that period in the second half, there were about 20, 25 minutes, weren't they, where it was all loot. And I thought, other than that, I thought it was quite an even game, to be honest. Yeah, I think they probably went in at half-time a little bit disappointed that they hadn't scored because they had a cracking 20-minute spell before half-time where broke through, had a couple of chances and, and Luton were struggling to, to keep with them. I think there were some concessions. I don't think they, I don't think they played as much at the back as they normally do. I think they, they went a little bit more direct straight to the final third um, because Luton's press was that good. And I think that also translated in Accrington as well because they went the similar way. They, it, it was more direct towards Bodvarsen and Jerome at, at Accrington. Um, and I think that's something they're learning to do because sometimes you just can't afford to dilly-dally and you can't afford to build in, in the intricate way that, that they would love to do all the time. Yes, maybe at home it can be done on, on a bigger pitch, but sometimes when, when an opposition is on top of you and the, the sheer athleticism of the Luton players, that really did scream out to me. I'm like, 
yes, you, you wouldn't say they're necessarily the most skillful team in the world, although Barclays, I don't think he wasted a ball the entire afternoon. Um, but the, the athleticism really screamed out to me and Bolton did really well to to match that and to then, like you say, just play a little bit of football, especially in that first half. Yes, we'll talk about the VAR and, and Doughty. And, and I think Doughty was another one of the players that you thought, yeah, you, you can see why um, he's playing in the Premier League. Unlucky with the shot that hit the post, definitely. Mm. Um, but I think Will Forrester got justice in the end. I don't think it was a foul. I didn't think it was a foul straight away. Um, and the v, the VAR replays, I, I don't think it's conclusive enough to, to to even doubt it, really. I don't know what you thought. Yeah, well, I was watching it on um, uh, means that I... Um, you watch, you watch I it mean, on officially I... approved um, FA Cup television. Yeah, of course. And um, I, I, so obviously it wasn't the, you know, it wasn't in HD 4K. So it kind of, I, I would probably say for me, and, you know, I, I, Luton fans might listen to this and go, oh, well, what's he on about? But and it's you can look at it sometimes with a bias. But to me, it, it didn't look clear cut. It, it was possibly a penalty. It wouldn't surprise me if he got given, especially away at a Premier League ground. But um, yeah, I thought it wasn't a... He wasn't clear cut enough for him to go yes, definitely, and that's probably got in Bolton's favour. But um, and and I mean, let's let's look at the facts now. We, we're probably the only team in the world who has played in a VAR game that has actually had more positive yeah. uh, VAR um, decisions than and we've not had a negative one yet. So uh, long may it continue. It was very weird in the stadium, I have to say, because there was no big screen that said this is a VAR decision. And, and I always assumed that in the press box, in the Premier League, uh, Premier League level, you have these little screens where often you get replays, um, which makes it a hell of a lot easier. Uh, and I assumed that there'd be some sort of graphic up there that was piped in, like, you know, VAR decision pending, etc., etc. Nothing at all. Got nothing. Didn't even get any replays. The screens weren't even on. So mm. we, had, we kind of knew something was happening because obviously the game was kind of meandering and, and not restarting. And then... Suddenly, it just started again, and so oh, it must must be fine. Um, and it was only kind of like from the back of the press box, and the the foreign TV feed had managed to kind of filter through and and, and say that the the decision had been uh, been scrubbed off. But for me, it, it's a clear if if VAR is only there to make clear and obvious errors apparent to the referee, and like you say, there this this far too much doubt there for this to be a penalty even if you look at it in real time or or straight away with a with a with a penalty you could still argue either side so that's not clear and obvious surely yeah you're right and uh, i mean this is a, a different conversation for the uh, the pros and many cons of var i think the fact that most people who were involved in in especially broadcasting within the premier league were saying how refreshing it was not to have var at the weekend <laughs> tells you everything yeah i think we need to know but um yeah it, you know it, this is the problem with it isn't it is that if it's there to to you know you could argue as well that you know it clearing out to clear up clearing obvious errors well is is someone being offside by the toenail a uh a clearing obvious error no it's not so um, yeah, it's look, thankfully we don't have to worry about VAR. I, I can see it creeping into the championship, so we may need to in the next few years. But for now, I'm I'm happy without it. And you, you know, I think 
it's just like anything, you know, you, you get some decisions for you, you get some against you. You know, I was down the side yesterday against Accrington and, um, I mean, fair play to the linesman, I've got to say that. He, he, he took some stick and then at the end was actually quite um, jovial about it. He actually he actually give uh, the Bolton fans a bit of a wave when they asked, they were saying, Lino, Lino, give us a wave. <laughs> um, but you could, when you're down the side and watching it, and I know you will most of the time be down the side watching matches, you you can sort of sense off sides and stuff like that. And some, if it, you know, at our level, if a linesman isn't up with play, they can't give it. And it's a mile offside, but it's it stays onside. Mm-hmm. And I think... Um, you you get some, you don't get some. That's how it is, and I I don't know. I I'm happier with that. I think. Uh, yeah, I am. I think. Yeah, VAR should be used for certain things, but the nitpicky stuff I don't agree with. No, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy to have a game where you think, oh, the referee made an error there. It's mm. it's the game. It's the football. It's it's not meant to be a clinical exercise, and I and I get that. There's loads of, of money and all that a lot at stake, but that's what makes football exciting. It's the it's the jeopardy of the whole thing. So, now nah, I'm I, I'm not into it. I've I've given VAR a chance, and I think that there are some things that the the referee should be able to have a look at off the ball, things that he definitely didn't see, definite or definite errors. But I think it's it's been used too liberally personally. Um, right. Okay. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's have some headlines. News. So the transfer window is back, and uh, Bolton Wanderers have been linked with a few players. Um, Joe Taylor is no more because he's gone to Lincoln. Uh, was it yes. Joe? Is that his name? Joe, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, there was rumours of uh, Onoma. Is that it from Preston? Josh Onoma, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Josh Onoma, but we're, we're being told Onoma. that there's no move for him. So what's the latest? Who's the next player on the, the merry-go-round that is the transfer deadline? No no for Taylor. And, and apparently there was never any interest in Taylor as well, by the way. So last week I was saying, keep your eye on that one because that's interesting because he's the kind of player I could see Bolton going for. When, when further investigations were made, they weren't in the market for him. So, hey-ho. Um, Onoma is a player that they've looked at in the past, but there's, he's not on trial. He's not been around the building. I'm not even sure, even sure where that came from. Um, but there is one that looks like there's some, some substance to it, and that is Niall Ennis, who's currently playing for Blackburn Rovers. But Bolton fans will probably know him better for having played for Plymouth. Uh, last season and for the last couple of seasons he's scored a fair number of goals at this level um, quite a unit quite a powerful fella and as we said last week I think that the injury to Dan and Lundaloo might well have forced Ian Everts hand a little bit I think it's probably more serious than they'd hoped it was going to be it looks as if Dan and Lundaloo isn't going to be available now until April and and even then you, you kind of that's with a with a full recovery with no no sort of problems. So I think he's got to probably legislate to bring somebody else in now. I think with Jones and um and with, with Carlos Mendicomez out for another month still, I, I expect there's still to be another couple of deals, to be honest. Um then they're playing the they're playing a pretty cool game because I think they're waiting on things to happen, things to click into place, as is the norm. That suggests there's going to be loans involved. 
Um, but I think with Ennis, I, I, I like what I've seen of him. He's one of the few players who I've seen physically match Ricardo Santos. And that's saying something. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I can't say I know too much about him. Obviously, you, you will know more because you, um, you have to do your research <laughs> and Google. Yeah. Whereas I can just turn up to matches without knowing who any of the opposition are and just enjoy it. Um, You'd be surprised. But, that is, we, we call that the Dearden method in the, uh, in the trade. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's I, I guess they, they have, you know, they, with the links that are coming out, it's clear that they're after a striker, which is always exciting for any fan base is uh, when you get a striker in. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens. You know, Niall Ennis... Um, you know, if he did well for Plymouth last year, and that's a bonus because they got promoted, he he will then know how, um, you know, especially get into the nitty gritty at the end of the season. He, he'll be experienced with dealing with that because mm. um, Plymouth had a lot of pressure on them last year. You know, everyone expected Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday to go up. They lost the final, so they had to react to that. So um, that would be, it'll be good. And um yeah, it's it's one. Uh, you know, I think we we're eleven days in, and it's important that no one stresses. Remember, in the summer, that when we didn't get Wilson or Bacchus, and apparently it was all over, and we we're going to struggle to make playoffs. Ah, um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there'll be plenty of um, you know plenty of these happening in the next few weeks, and we'll end up with uh, a few players at the end. So, um, so yeah, I, uh, I I you know I I just like. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm well into it. I'm well into, uh, I'm well into the the sort of uh, window. I'm well into these names being mentioned. And I am, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to be going on social media and saying I'm in the know or this person's linked or that person's linked. I am well. I'm going to be honest and say, I just, I'm on. For, I'm in for the ride. I don't yeah. know anything, and I just, I'm, I'm happy finding out when the club tells me. Yeah, yeah. I think with with Ennis, he's he's not had a great start to his time at Blackburn. I think there's been a few fitness issues. So whether or not that is, I think he has played recently, so I can't see there being a a, a major problem. But whether they're waiting for Blackburn to do a a deal before pl- showing the hand, I think there's a couple of other League One clubs involved as well. But like like you, I think sometimes there's so many fingerprints on transfers that, for example, uh, Onoma there. It, he was one when he went uh, from Fulham to Preston, I think it was. Um, he was one of the players that, that he never had looked at, and kind of several months later, that then catches up, and and that fingerprint you left on that then becomes a rumor and becomes you know a story or whatever it might be, and that's that's the complications with transfers. I think you, you're also you've got the agents that are obviously trying to find their client a, a new club and all that sort of stuff. It can be very, very tricky. And uh, I think you, you've just got to enjoy the ride, I think. That's a, it's a fair way of putting it. I think there's going to be things that are right, things that are wrong, fingerprints that are left on stuff and, 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 and plausible deniability and all that sort of stuff. Clubs don't like to be seen to lose out on deals. So there's a lot of den- denials that go around where there's actually been, there's been interest, but... You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those things. You just you just got to accept it. It's a bit, it's a bit like wrestling. It's all there for show. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's it's exciting, and it's uh, you know, and and uh, you know, this is the most exciting period of it now, is because we know Bolton don't tend to do stuff on deadline day, mm. so it's actually the the main 
the middle chunk of the deadline for what we're starting now that is uh you know is really exciting but uh yeah we'll uh, we'll catch up on that i guess then next week um the next headline is nathan baxter he had a, a, a great game on sunday against luton and it, this was quite nice. He's actually said in his uh, in his interview after the game that Bolton is the best thing to ever happen to him. And maybe that's because for this season, he's not really had much to do. <laughs> yeah, he's just put his feet up. Yeah, it's nice to know when uh, you need him, you can come up with things like he did uh, from that, that save from Morris. It was an astonishing stop. And uh, I, I like what I hear from Baxter. I think he's been, from minute one, he's been very considered. He's been thoughtful with what he talks about. Um and, and I think you can tell he's quite an educated lad as well. He doesn't just troll out the cliches. He, he thinks about what he says. So when he says signing for Bolton you know, is probably the best decision I've made, I think he actually means it. Um, and it's, it's nice to hear. It's nice, nice to see that he appreciates the coaching that's going into him, both from Ian Everton in a kind of tactical point of view, but also Matt Jilks um, and... and the, the kind of magic touch that he's had with goalkeepers recently, in the, the development he had with James Trafford last season. The other thing with with Traff is is that uh, Nathan Baxter was talking about wanting to come in and and kind of jump into those boots and say I can be as good, not the same keeper, but as as good or as good for Bolton as James Trafford was. So that's that shows a lot of character i think because it could have been very very easy for for that to become a bit of a needle and i, I don't want to be compared or i don't want to talk about trafford it's you know i'm, I'm my person In, nathan bax has been pretty open with it he's like yeah he's been absolutely fantastic traff but i'm going to i'm going to show you i'm i'm equally as good and uh, he's he's been great i i like him he's a he's a good character and also you can see the fans now starting to to gravitate to him as well and i, I do like that yeah, uh, it was interesting when he said that, actually, about Trafford, because I think we said at the start of the season, it's important not to compare them. And, you know, the fact that he has actually said, well, yes, I, I, I'm not bothered by it, or I'm my own person, is is very good. And, uh, you know, he is he's our player as well, which helps. You know, I, I think sometimes, and I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm just, as an example, is that you would... You know, everyone loved Trafford, but you'd probably rather, especially at this level, you'd rather have a keeper that's maybe a like a step below in quality, but your player, mm. rather than a James Trafford, who's a who's great, great personality, but not ours. And he he like Bolton, City got nineteen million for him. Bolton didn't get a penny. Why would they? You know. So, um, yeah, the fact that Baxter is ours is great, but you know, I I don't think he's a step below Trafford. I think he's. He's he's got really uh, good with his feet. He's he's calm. He's composed. He's he's a good shot stopper. Um, and I think because he's got a bit more of a quieter personality, I think he's he has gone under the radar a bit um, with Bolton fans. You know, Trafford was quite loud and brash and the young confidence about him, whereas Baxter's a bit older and clearly more settled and. And just wants to do his job, and I think that's great. And that that will probably, you know, you 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 know, you can tell that the defense trust him as well. Yeah, um, which is is very important, especially the way Bolton play, because the goalie needs to be good with his feet. He needs to be um, good in a lot of ways that you ten or fifteen years ago you didn't have to be. So it's good that they trust him. Absolutely. Give us another headline, Henry. 
Uh, so we just talked about it then, so we won't have to go into much detail about this, but Ian Everett has, has spoke about VAR and he said he would like it in League 1 and 2. He would like professional referees. We've spoke about this before. Everyone agrees with him. But, I mean, it's... For me, you... I don't know the logistics of VAR. I don't know the logistics of goal line technology, which we don't actually have in our league either. But like, um, you, I guess you can't have... It's like the FA Cup. You've got some grounds that have it and some grounds that don't. And I don't agree with that. I think it should all be all have it or don't have it. Mm. But the, I guess the problem in League 1 and 2 is that you've got... It's, a, it's the haves and have-nots. For every ground that's... The Bolton, Derby, Portsmouth that can probably accommodate it. You have then got a Burton and Accrington where it might be a bit more difficult. Is that is that fair or should it be as simple as as that? Yeah, I, I, you are you are pretty spot on, really. I mean, the, the referees thing's one thing. I think the referees thing is easier to solve, as in make professional referees extend the PGML OL. Uh, select group one and two, have three and four if need be, but make it so that referees can do their job full time and be as good as they can possibly be. That for me is is an absolute gimme. Um, yes, it will cost more money, but there is more money in football for that to happen. I think with the the VAR and for goal line technology, uh, the the sad thing is that it. it not only costs money, which obviously is going to cost money, but it also requires a great deal of infrastructure change. A lot is to do with cameras and platforms. And, and the, the reality is that if you've got a Premier League stadium, you've got the money to build that sort of thing. But actually, it's it's not easy for the lower grounds. And, and even Luton have struggled by all accounts. Um, so and, and they've been given Christ knows how much money to cap into the Premier League. Um, the kind of the far side from I, I was in the old uh, press box stand, the main stand. So the opposite side was the TV gantry, and and that that's completely changed from from what I remember at Luton. Um, but very very sparse because basically they just had to almost sacrifice an entire stand just to have the facilities that you now need to be a modern football club in the Premier League for the TV cameras. Um, and, and all that you need for VAR to work. You need all the camera angles, you need the, the replays to be exact and all the, the angles to be exactly right. Um, and same with Hawkeye and technology. So it, unfortunately, as much as it would be lovely to have a playing field, and, and actually Super League Rugby League that I do watch a lot of, They've been doing um, video replays for donkey's years, of course. And it's only this season that they've managed to get all the Super League clubs to have it all at once. So, unfortunately, that's the way it is. I think it's going to be um, a very, very slow operation. And, and whether it makes the championship um, in, the, in the next couple of years, I hope it does. Because that will give the incentive for it to drip down. But uh, I think it's going to be a very long time before you see VAR decisions in, in League 2. And as I said to, at the top of the show, do you know what? It wouldn't bother me if they scrapped it tomorrow at all. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, but I think um, yeah, I think it's a, the point is more the professional referees. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's obviously going to be difficult for referees if they're part-time, if they're working as, uh, well, traditionally it was always, they were school teachers, wasn't it? But, you know, if they're, if they're working... As a school teacher, which is a, a hard job anyway, you should know because your wife's one. Like, it's not easy. It's mentally draining. And then you're going to have to go on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night to Accrington v Bolton. You've got a stand full of Bolton fans shouting at you as a linesman. It's, 
it's it's difficult. But I think I, I genuinely think if you ask most teams in in the EFL with this, you know, they, they've, there's more money coming in from Sky. There's rumours to be a new deal with the Premier League set to to be brokered. Like if you said to them, right, you're going to all get, I, I don't know, ballpark figure, five million pounds, not as a, an individual club, but as a whole, the night the 72, you're going to get in the pot five million pounds less, but we're going to make referees professional across the four, like the, the three EFL leagues. Mm. Everyone has said, yeah, they'd go, yeah, not a problem. So, uh, yeah, you, you're right there. The money's coming in, so why don't we address that? Yeah, I mean, whether everybody would do, I don't know. But I think that the, the professional, in the same way as, as you know, kind of cream rises to the top, meritocracy, the better referees would then have a, a system to go through. And at the minute, once you go from National League, it's you kind of get just chucked in. And it, it seems to me the untrained professional, just that it's a bit random as to who's selected and who's considered a good referee, you know, w without having actually been a professional referee. It's just like, oh, you look like you could be a good referee. I don't know what, how you even assess that. But anyway, that's enough about referees. Let's move on. Um, so Bolton have hired and they've hired a new strength and conditioning coach. He's called Paul Walsh as a BT manager on the way. And this is the stuff that I guess you take for granted as a, a football club, and we definitely took it for granted in the bleak period. Um, and, you know, you, you go from Big Sam, who had millions of staff, to then none, to, to I don't think Ian Everett's going to have millions of staff, but we're getting there. We're filling the, the important roles, aren't we? Yeah, this is a head of sports science as well. I think he's uh, he's a very renowned strength and conditioning coach, Paul Walsh. He's worked with Sunderland and Stoke, worked with Northern Ireland as well, which I can assume is where um, Ian Everett might have picked him from, um, from that sort of field. But he's also working with the Republic of Ireland and the 21s as well. Um, very decent reputation in the game. Helped Northern Ireland at the Euros in 2016. And, uh, yeah, the more I read about him, the more I like. And, and that side of things, as you say, has been boosted really well. The analysis department, we talk about that quite regularly with uh, Chris Markham at the top of it and, and the, the recruitment and, and the way that that's kind of affecting things on that front. Um, but the actual physical and the, the, the sports and medicinal medical department, rather, that was neglected like you'd never believe during what you just termed the bleak period. Um, I think that might be the chapter of my book, actually. The, the middle two chapters would be the bleak period. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was stripped down to the bones. I mean, at one stage, when when he walked in, I think it was just Matt Barris and, you know, whatever first aid kit he had in the boot. So since then, it's... it's off, And you see the durability of the players is improved as well. I think there were problems at the very start with some of the new signings, but I don't think you would get... I mean, look at Dion Charles, Josh Dacus-Cogley, Nathan Baxter, Ricardo Sanchez. They're playing more. They're looking like they can play more. And you're playing, I mean, this week could be three games in a week. It's crazy. Um, so you can't do that unless you've got people who know the game and know how to, to minimise the risk. You're never going to be able to completely absolve risk of, of, of injury. Of course you can't. But you can do things to make it easier and it looks like they get on top of that by, by bringing in the expertise. Yeah, I like the fact how when Ian Everett, uh, like just in my head, thinking that Ian Everett came into Bolton, uh, was like, right, I'm going to introduce myself to the staff. 
put out loads of chairs in yeah. a room and then it comes into it, the room and there's just Matt Barrister on his own <laughs> in the middle. Exactly, yeah, exactly. I've, uh, I've brought my bandages. Um, that's, that's, all <laughs> that's all I've got. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's another step on the, of the road back and if we want to become a championship team and a Premier League team, it's, it's the roles you've got to fill and, uh, you know, you can't be going... You know, you think if we get promoted, we're going to be facing some teams that have just come down from the Premier League who will have loads of staff and then Bolton turn up with, you know, the, you've got five and five people there, you know, who were on the... It's it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? So when you've got this team of people, and obviously you want them to be good at the job, you don't want to just give people jobs and they're not. You'd rather have less who are good. But, um, you know, this guy is, is clearly... He, he knows his stuff. He's been in good uh, jobs for... A good team, so uh, yeah, it's all positive. Absolutely, give us another headline. So Cameron Jerome got his first goal. We've saved it. We saved. Uh, we've been teasing it. We'll talk about it. Uh, I looked on Bolter BWFC stats on Twitter yesterday, and he's, he's now um, everyone who was every outfield player who has played a minute for a professional minute for Bolton this season has scored, uh, which is great. Um, he took his goal really well, didn't he? And I think for Jerome, he's 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 had his stick, and you know he's um, he's not stupid. I'm sure he can hear it himself, you know. And he's he's coming on, and there's groans or whatever. But I think it was really nice that he 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 played very well. He took his goal very well, and then when he got subbed, the whole Bolton stand applauded him because he deserved it. And that's that's the thing with Bolton fans that we may look at sometimes and go. Oh, he's not really pulling his way. I don't see, really see how that works. Or I don't really like him as a player. But if you put in a performance, the fans will react to that. Yeah, they're not stupid. I think as as much as as every club have, have got their uh, fair share of uh, of, of daft uh, daft heads. I think uh, as a as a fan base, they are quite knowledgeable Bolton fans. And the last thing that Cameron Jerome did on on Wednesday night rather was uh, was to track back about forty yards and and. Make yeah. a sliding challenge on Joe Pritchard. I thought he'd, um, I thought he'd hurt himself as well. I think he was a bit of cramp, maybe. Um, I'm not sure he's done too many of those uh, recovery runs um, in in the time that he's had at Bolton. But no, it was a really good performance, and and I think, I think generally speaking, in the last couple of months, maybe I think people have started to to, to tune into to what Cameron Jerome has been brought in for. Um, we talked about what he does off the field. And I think that will continue. His experience has been really good. Honestly, whenever you speak to any, particularly the forward players, but pretty much any of the younger players at Bolton, they will always name check Jerome as to, yeah, he's, he, he takes us to one side and has a little word and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's got such a good CV. There's, there's virtually no scenario that he won't have encountered at some stage or another. So absolutely, totally get it. And he's a, he's a really decent bloke, honestly. One of the better talkers in the dressing room. Um, he stayed behind with us uh, last week in the press room talking for about half an hour about just random stuff here, there and everywhere. Um, yeah, really personable guy. So I, I, I think um, I think he does deserve respect. If there are people still kind of questioning it, then it's totally their right to do so. But I think he's starting to provide some answers. So that's good. Yeah, and I uh, thought him and Bud Farson, they came on against Luton and did very well. They played very well together Um on on Wednesday and they were linking up really well they were you know they were flicking on and and Cameron Jerome as well he's you know we've had some cloggers at this club you know and I'm thinking Clayton Donaldson is one of them <laughs> who 
um, you do wonder, you question how they became a professional footballer. But Cameron Jerome, he's okay. He's not scored for us yet, but I mean, he he showed the other night that he's still got pace. He's still he's he's just a, a fit guy. So you know, at League One level, he does offer something, especially at League Two. He looked he looked a step above what we played last night, anyway. Mm. So that would tell you he's a League One player, and um, yeah, hopefully, you know, it, it's. The same with Unlunderloo when he scored against um, Exeter and then he got a couple in the game after. You know, you, you hopefully Jerome can, I'm not going to say he's scoring 20 goals this season, but hopefully he can come off the bench and be an impact player and, um, yeah, and, and get a couple of goals. Yeah, if you're looking at his ratio and saying he should be scoring 10 or 12, uh, you just don't understand football. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> give me another headline. <clears throat> Uh, so the final headline this week, and we talked about this last week actually, and, and Bolton have actually come out and asked fans for their opinions, and we're talking about uh, songs at the stadium, and in particular before games and and leading up to kickoff. So Bolton came up with a list of potentials, uh, as you know, for this, and then people have been voting, people have been suggesting, well, we could have that one for this part and that one for this part. Um, uh, what you are a, a music buff. Pardon the pun. Uh, this is something, whereas kits, you're not bothered about. This is something you are bothered about. Um, out of the, the sort of songs that have been branded about, what's your opinions on this? Sorry, I've just I've just thought of a great sister podcast, Music Buff, where I just sit here talking <laughs> about pre-match music the entire time. Um, yeah, I mean, Bolton have basically put out a shortlist of, of songs that should be played before. I mean, I think that the idea is to be played to be played when the team comes out, um, which I think is interesting because some of the songs on there for me are not songs that you would come out to. And I'm going to use The Wanderer by Dion as one of them. That fantastic song should always be in the canon before the game, but I do not see how it would motivate a crowd if you know when you need it at its very peak as it's being played out, I just don't get that. It's not that type of song. You, I don't no. think even Bolton fans really sing along to it that much. Um, you may you no. may correct me there, but I don't hear it at least. You, if, if they're doing it, they're doing it quietly. Um, if you're talking about a song like Amarillo, you can hear the juf juf bit and all that. You can hear the those that want to, to sing along do. I'm not saying it's the greatest song in the world. Of course I'm not. Although I was very touched this week that uh, the son of Tony Christie emailed me uh, to uh, to talk about the article that I wrote. Um, and uh, his, his dad hasn't been very well. Um, we do wish him, um, uh, well, a, a very happy new year anyway, uh, Tony, because uh, he's an honorary Boltonian as far as I'm concerned with, uh, with that song. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think I think that's the kind of song potentially they want. They want something that's a bit more kind of joiny in. Um, of the other, I mean, there were a lot. There were a lot of options. Squadron Six Three Three's got a lot of tradition and that lot. But again, you you don't join in with that that song, do you? Really, um, it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one. And I don't think, as I said last week, I don't think there's one button they can press and then it'll all be fine. I think it will organically happen anyway when the, the team's playing well or when you move up to the championship and it's more away fans and all that kind of thing. Um, what they need, whether it's with a song or whether it's with anything else, is that anybody that can make noise has to make noise. It has to be as as loud and as, as vociferous as it possibly can be. And um, 
yeah, any ideas on how to make that the case, then email them to us, the buff, email them to the club, you know, share them amongst yourselves, share them on social media. It definitely needs to be a joint effort. Yeah, it does. And I was a bit underwhelmed with the choices and they, they, that's probably because they have all, they, they're all linked to Bolton Wanderers. Yeah. Of course they are. So, and I think because we've not found that organic song to have just before um, kickoff, it's, uh, that's why I was underwhelmed. I was like, oh, right. Okay. Well, there's no, there's no new answers there. It's just, what we've tried before. I watched the Middlesbrough game the other day, and obviously they have the the their song, but I, I don't even know the name of it. There's no oh, words p- in it. Really, Papa got a brand new pig bag. Is what it's called. Which <laughs> is really, it actually it called? It really is. Yeah, wow. yes. they just call it pig um, bag. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but because that's become iconic with them, and they used to have it after they scored, and then it sounded great when the players were walking out, and and you know, but that's that's theirs, and I think. Of all the choices, I, you know, I, I think for me, you've got to have the wander in there. I agree with you. It's not necessarily a song, but even if you played it in between the players coming out and kickoff, like we used to do with Burned and Aces, I don't think, um, you know, I mean, to be honest, I didn't mind that Burned and Aces song as a, uh, you know, as, as something to have before, just before kickoff. And I think it, it's... Yeah, that's where you're looking at. You're looking at a song. It'd be great to have a song where people could carry on singing it like Forrest do and Sheffield United, but you, we don't have that unless somebody creates a new one like we did at Arsenal. So, you know, I, I think I, that's for, that has its place, but there, but no one really liked it. I think for me, after after we win, it's got to be uh, Amarillo for me. I think that's a, a personal song for Bolton. The the problem we had with everyone would say, "Oh, rocking all over the world." If we'd have if we'd have got that a few years ago, and we'd have got that as Bolton's song, we could have had it. But unfortunately, now everyone plays it. Everyone there was a period, Bolton have always. Sorry, I'm going on with myself here. Bolton <laughs> have always. Um, That's what this podcast rock- is for, Henry. <laughs> yeah, well, you can tell this is the most passionate we've both been of the whole episode, um, and this is why we're going to overrun now. But. Um, Rocking all over the world. Bolton have always played that when they've done the lap of honour at the end of a season, ever yeah. since I was, it, the 90s. So Bolton, that it's not as if we've just started, we've put that out of nowhere. But the problem is that everyone plays it now. Everyone sings it. It's had a resurgence. So you can't really have it as just Bolton. Whereas Amarillo is a bol, it's associated with Bolton. When Peter Kay re, you know, brought it out again, they were Bolton shirts in the video it's linked mm. to bolton it's linked to peter k so that for me when we win play that straight after not the cartinas or whoever just play amarillo and it's and that's where i'm happy leading up to the game yeah i think there's so many songs where people are like, oh you've got to have six free free squadron in you've got to have uh the wandering you've got to have this you've got to have that but there isn't a song that you can play just before kickoff i personally would come out to six free free squadron out of a tunnel i think that that is a quite a a, a sort of grand sort of song yeah, yeah. yeah atmospheric song come out of a tunnel to that but we need to uh play the wanderer up to that i like championa that takes me back to the the yeah. noughties have that when you're showing the goal compilations on the screens do that so have that uh play the wanderer 633 squadron to come out we just need to find something between coming out of the tunnel and the kickoff. That's the that's the one bit Bolton need to find, and then Amarillo when we win. 
Yeah, it's it's difficult because you listen to the the chants, the Bolton chants, and the most proliferate one, we're the one and only Wanderers, and and that happens a lot. You know, you can hear that five, six, seven times a game. Then you'll hear the the um, oh bleepy bleepy Wanderers that Bolton fans <laughs> sing to themselves, um, yeah. which you'll hear that two or three times again, and I mean. There's, there's, there's nothing that's really anchored on a tune that you could you could bring that out, if you know what I mean. You couldn't play a tune and they could sing along to that. Um, so, I don't know. You can't, It's impossible to graft it at this point in time for me. I don't think you can drop a song in there and Bolton fans embrace it. So, I think, yeah, I think you're, you're dealing with those songs you just mentioned there. I'm going to say it. I think Amarillo should be there. I think Amarillo should... They should they should give it a whirl before kick off and see whether or not they can stoke up, um, stoke up the crowd and afterwards just basically play. Or I feel good wasn't even on there by the way. James Brown and that was that is their Bolton goal music as far as I'm concerned. It's it never been anything different. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't. Be. Yeah, I wouldn't uh, have the goal music back. But I think I, I mean I I feel good falls in the same bracket as it could be after we win. You yeah. know, like. Uh, because I, I, I love, I, I think there is something in that, and I don't think enough clubs embrace it, is that when you win, as soon as the full-time whistle goes and there's that cheer, mm. there should be a song that you play and Bolton fans will associate it. Because I think back to the, the after the Plymouth game, um, that is the only time I've heard Bolton fans sing I'm a Wanderer, unless they, because there's, there's that chant that that bloke on YouTube did, I think it was before the Stoke FA Cup game, at Wembley years ago, so people have started singing that at the in the, the uh, in the stands, but it's not like the whole stadium sing it. Mm. But um, but yeah, I think there's there are songs that are associated with Bolton. I think two more than uh, more than any others is uh, is Wanderer and uh, Amarillo, and I think we should utilize them more because I think Amarillo maybe at the time people were like, oh, it's cringe this, but. I think it's come out of that cringe period and you can kind of own it a little bit. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with cringe. I mean, no, none of these songs, none of these ter- terrorist anthems are great songs. I don't think there are going to be, you know, The Wonder of You isn't one of Elvis's best songs or, I don't know, Depeche Mode or uh, even even Philip Your Senses by John Dever. He's done a lot of better songs than that. But yes, they it's it's just they are identifiable by huge swathes of people. It's not easy. We could do a show just on this, if I'm being honest. We could. I, I, in fact, I might do. But um, for now, I'm going to park it. For now. And I'm going to bring you Who Are You? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? It is the letter J today, and uh, we have fascinating facts on two. There's there's possibly more. There's possibly more, but I'm going to give you two. Um, And have you brought your digitised version of the Josh Dacus Cogliometer? I have. Yeah, it's uh, we give it a rest last week. I've had to charge it up over you know overnight, but it's charged up and we're ready to go. Happy days Um, for the uninitiated. I'm basically going to bring some fascinating facts about a Bolton Wanderers player whose name and uh, his surname starts with a J. Um, two players that you probably will know. 
Um, and I might just sneak some little bits in um, uh, along the way. But uh, you're going to give me a mark out of 10 anyway. Um, okay, the first one is David Jack. A legendary striker, of course, and the first person to score at Wembley Stadium in the 1923 FA Cup final. He also scored the winner for Bolton in the 1926 FA Cup final. He is third in the all-time list of Bolton Wanderers goalscorers with 161 goals in all competitions. His middle name was Bone. Was um, it actually? It really was Bone. It really was Bone. Um, that's that's pushing the, him up to a seven already. It's <laughs> not even the fascinating fact. <laughs> um, his brother, Rolo Jack, also played for Bolton. Um, and his brother, Rolo Jack, was also a nationally ranked lawn bowls player. Um, that's another little... And can we just point out, his name is Rolo. Rolo, exactly. And he's a lawn bowls player. Absolutely brilliant. Um, his son was also called David and became a celebrated football journalist. Um, which which I was very pleased to read. Um, so this information has been passed on from Jake, um, sent, sent me an article, and it's really interesting. And there's loads more to it as well. Uh, David Jack uh, Jr. had a great career, loads, wrote loads of books um, with people like Matt Busby and, and such like it, really some, a top, top-level journalist. But here's the kicker. So... Um, as a journalist, um, he had covered Manchester United in the uh, European Cup in 1958 um, and had expected to travel with them to Belgrade for the quarterfinal. Um, instead, his editor sent him to the World Cup draw in Stockholm. Um, so we'll never really know what might have happened there, but eight journalists were killed on that flight among the, the 23 that, that, that perished. And there's every reason to believe that he would have been one of them, I suppose, um, which is a really chilling thought um but yeah i mean it's it's fascinating for a very different reason than we normally do but i just thought it was a cracking story you know what mark and i'm glad i charged up my dacus cogley uh ometer because i think i'm going to give my first 10. wow wow that is a fascinating it started off with uh, his middle name is bone <laughs> he's got a brother called rollo and then that his son in some you know amazing uh, twist of fate look piece of luck and not only has he had a great career as a journalist but he was meant to be on the flight the uh, the munich flight mm. and he he wasn't and he he'd been the reason he wasn't was because he went to the fa uh, sorry the world cup draw yeah in stockholm incredible that is amazing that is a 10 that is a, a, a 10 fact on the dacus cogley scale well, thank you very much to Jake for digging that one out for me. That's what it's all about, folks. If you can get and Jake is a J. Uh, if you get bonus points, if you're if you do your own initial, it's <laughs> a good shout. That's a good <laughs> shout. Um, I feel like I'm going to be bringing this one down a bit, maybe. But we get back to uh, to musical <laughs> terms. Let's put it that way. It's Matt Janssen. Um, the former Wanderers striker who played, uh, he started at Carlisle, didn't he? And then went to Palace and Blackburn. Um, unfortunately, his, his career at that point, he was he was on the verge of an England cap uh, and he had a, a, a motorcycle accident or a, a scooter accident in Rome, I think it was. Um, got badly injured and he, he carried on. He still played top-level football for Bolton. He, he played at Coventry and Wrexham as well, but never regained, um, you know, everything that he had before, unfortunately. And, and his cracking lad went on, managed Lee Genesis, if you remember them, um, uh, Chorley as well. Um, and the the great thing, I think, about Matt Janssen, and the thing I've learned this week, um, is that he sang on an album. Um, it's a compilation album called A League of Their Own. 
And, and honestly, again, I think I could do a show just on this, right? It's got Ron Atkinson in it. Um, it's got Ali McCoist singing Donald Wears Your Trousers, um, which is well worth a listen. Uh, Chris Kamara doing Brown Eyed Girl. Um, Frank Sinclair singing Angel Eyes by Wet Wet Wet. What else do you want from an album? <laughs> what else? That is fantastic. Um, but Matt, uh, he does three songs on there and he's showing off basically. He's playing the piano, he's playing the guitar, he's doing, he's like a one man band. Um, would you like to hear him sing a bit of Babylon by David Gray? I, I like that song and I mean Matt Janssen weren't the most prolific striker for Bolton but he is an ex-Bolton player so yeah go for it let's do it I'm going to press play what do you make of Matt Janssen's singing skills uh, better than his career for Bolton was yeah yeah I think that's fair to say I think that's fair to say what a talented young man well, talented young man, I think you should go solo personally. Um, right. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for the people. I did ask last week for a few J's. A few J's did come in. Um, we got uh, Nigel Jemson, who is the experienced manager at Nottinghamshire Golf Club. Um, Mike Jeffrey, who may or may not be a car salesman on Merseyside. Um, and we got a couple who were nominating Mario Jardel, uh, and there were a few stories that came with him, none of which I want to repeat on the podcast. Um, but are we really surprised? Is the question I'd ask you. <laughs> are yeah, we really that no. surprised? But we, you know, we don't need to kick a man when he's down. So um, yes, uh, Mario Jardel. Next week we will be doing K. Um, we may have to think outside the box. There's not that many um, surnames beginning with K, so feel free to koala uh kick uh other things that name I, I, i'm only just i feel like i've just got back in from accrington i can't think of things beginning with k kevin that would be fine yeah, so kevin there we go there's loads of kevins um bring me fascinating facts make sure that i don't have to do my own research send them to this email address so you want to bring something up on the buff Email Mark and Henry on the buff mail at gmail.com. That's T H E B U F M A I L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. And talking about emails, I'm going to drop a quick email in. Take it away, Phil. Is that Philip Moresh? Yes, we have had a fair few emails after a little bit of a, a bit of a break over Christmas. Everybody stopped sending us emails, and now I've got a flood. Um, so I'm going to drop in one. I'm not going to do Will's apologies, Will. I was going to put you in, but I'm, for purposes of editing, I'll drop you in next week. Uh, this one is from Tim, and he's asking about away kits. So he says, uh, "Dear Mark and Henry, as always, I look forward to the podcast. Thanks very much for putting it together. It's really well received. One matter, and look, I've got a police car." hammering past my window that's that's lee ladies and gentlemen um one matter i've been meaning to raise for a while is the uh the lack of public notification either from yourselves or other media outlets or even the club itself as to which color 
a team will be wearing at the weekend. Um, he says, I've gone to away matches whilst wearing the black away coloured jersey, only to find out when the team comes out on the pitch, they're wearing white and vice versa. Um, one can't even guess sometimes which strip will be worn by looking at which colours home team plays in. Portsmouth was a case in point, he says. Uh, Portsmouth's colours are blue and white, but we still played with our home shirt. Could it not be possible via the Wanderers app or Wanderers TV uh, to match the colour out and, and basically give you it in advance, is what he says. Um, and, and how is it figured out, he also asks. So, I mean, I'm not sure, I, I'm, not sure I'm that worried about which colour. But as a fan, if you're going away from home, do you want to wear the same colour? I like the fact that he, he does want to coordinate with the players. I, yeah. I feel that in his head, uh, you know, like... It might be like, uh, was it the Honey Monster in the advert years ago where <laughs> there's an injury? Yeah, Dion, yeah. Dion yeah. Charles goes down injured. Like, oh, no. Oh, we've got his Cameron Jerome on the bench. Who <laughs> shall we go turn to? I'm your man and I'm wearing the kit. Um, and yeah. he scores a header and has some sugar puffs. Oh, was it sugar puffs? Honey it was Monster? sugar puffs. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Keegan was in that advert, I seem to recall as well. Um, um, so a modern day version involving Ian Everett. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I think there's clearly a way of. I mean, personally, I think the the best thing to do is. Um, I you know I don't know if you're on social media or not, but whether it be I don't know Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, I think the club each morning before the game will do a post like, oh, it's it's match day or whatever they do, and mm. they tend to put uh, whoever in the picture there's a player, and they tend to be wearing the kit that they will be wearing that day. I've noticed. Maybe that's a way to look at it. Um, but, of course, if you are travelling to Portsmouth, um, you might not, not have easy. the time to... Not easy. No. Uh, and they might do it later than what you've set off. Uh, so, other than taking both shirts and then and uh, changing into one when you definitely know, um, I don't know the answer to that. But it's, I, I, I feel... Yeah, now it's it has got ridiculous, hasn't it? Um, where you... I mean that I know Arsenal didn't wear red and and Liverpool didn't wear red for a for a very important reason at the weekend in the FA Cup, but the fact that you're seeing a white, the purple Arsenal v Liverpool shows that I don't think anyone's bothered anymore in within the football world anyway. You have to apply for that sort of thing, so it's the referee that makes the decision as well. I will say that so that 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 could change theoretically on a match day in the Portsmouth game that you mentioned there. If you look at Portsmouth's shirt. There's a little bit of white in there, and they have white uh, shorts. So if there would have been more white on there, for example, Bristol Rovers, and I think he also makes that point in the uh, in the email, um, then then you have to maybe change change things around. Um, so it is the referee that has the final say. But I think if, if you've got a shirt that has half white, there is no chance of Bolton wearing white, is my thoughts. Um, for For you to wear your third kit... There would have to be some either uh, on the rare occasion that there would be you know both colours of the, your home and away kit on on the the home team shirt, um, or you've made a special provision. And Bolton have done that a couple of times in recent years to wear commemorative kits or to, like the the uh, 1923 kit in the FA Cup last season against Port Vale, um, or uh, the third kit, the charity kit, etc. They've done a few of those, haven't they? The special edition ones. So um, it's not easy. I do. I think Henry's idea of keeping your eye out on social media as far as the, the the kit room thing there, but yeah, maybe 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 Ted Molden needs to get his uh, his his finger out and, and, and get himself a, 
a social media account and that i think that'd be a great social media account by the way the kitman's kitman's twitter account yeah. it'd be brilliant wouldn't it yeah um i think you'd be good on tiktok ted yeah tiktok, TikTok ted. ted there you go it writes itself, mate. It writes itself. Uh, get on it, Mr. Molden. Okay, time for some predictions. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. There are two more games to come. It seems like it's two week uh, every single week at the moment. But, of course, it's Cheltenham Town, the Isles Derby at home in the league, followed by... Luton in the replay. Now, we'll start with my boys, the Robins, who did Bolton a favour last weekend by beating Portsmouth and really opening things up at the top of uh, the table. Bolton two points behind Portsmouth now, but with two games in hand, crucially, which is fantastic. Um, Cheltenham seem to be a completely different proposition now. They've they've installed uh, Daryl Clark. Um, uh, Wade Elliott uh, got the boot. Um, they made a they made a crap start to this season let's be honest um, in fact I think they're probably the worst team that I've seen Bolton play against this season um, but they seem to be a bit more solid now uh, how much has the other games taken out of Bolton is that going to be a, a factor you think on Saturday Henry um, I don't think it is I think uh, the way Bolton play you know I, I think teams that face Bolton and after camping, like Burton did, for example, and like others have done, and, and to be fair, Cheltenham have got better, but you'd, you'd mm. think that they would do the same. I think you use up more energy than you do in in passing the ball about and you know making those forward runs. It's uh, you don't have to you have to concentrate, but not as much. So I think uh, I, I, th- I can see him making seven change. I'd like you look in the midfield, Magoma. Probably, which I'm surprised about actually. I thought Magoma would have suited the uh, Cheltenham game more than the Accrington game, but I can imagine he wouldn't play. Would the likes of uh, Morley and Dempsey play? You don't know, but then he, he may. I, I guess he's got this cluster of three matches now where he'll look and if players play on Saturday as well as they did against Accrington, then they won't play against Luton. Mm. So, um, you know, it's. I'd imagine there'd be at least five or six changes. You, you look at Baxter coming in and then. Thomason as well, he was suspended, wasn't yeah. he, tonight, so. Thomason will come in, Santos will come back, Charles will come back, uh, Adebi Asia will probably start if Bud Varson played on Wednesday. So you can kind of see the changes of where they're going to be. The two full-backs will, will change. Mm. Um, and I think Bolton will have enough to beat Cheltenham, but this is it. Cheltenham have got better. Um, I can imagine they're going to come and frustrate us like we did last season, even though it's a different manager. So <laughs> I think it's important that and get that early goal you get the early goal it then means that Cheltenham have to come out and try and get an equaliser and that's I think that's where Bolton are best when teams are leaving holes at the back so um, the longer it goes on the more frustrating it'll be but this is it now it's an important run of the season Bolton have got so many matches between now and March the 1st that you can't afford to slip up especially at home Portsmouth are doing that at the moment and Bolton could be top of the league on Saturday if results go our way. So, uh, so yeah, so it's it's a it's a game that they've got to win, and I think they will do. I think they'll win. 
I think they'll win. As much as I I wanted to be negative and said they're going to lose just to try and prove my pattern, I do think Bolton will beat Cheltenham this weekend. Um, sorry for any of my family members that are listening to that. But that's the case. Uh, I think I'm going to go for 2-1. How about you? Um, I, I want to be more positive. I, I think... Yeah, it'll be it'll be one of those games where Bolton will comfortably get over the line, but not in the scoreline sense. So I think it it could be another one 0 like Burton. But if we score early, if we're at our best, which I believe we will be, we could win three or four now. And the FA Cup on Tuesday, I do feel I certainly felt at the time when when they got the draw that bringing them back to Bolton was going to be a positive thing and it gave them a better chance of winning the game. Do you know what? Having reviewed that, I'm not sure I necessarily want the next game. I, I, in, a, in a sense, I, I think Everton will beat Palace, so I think it's going to be Everton away. I like the idea of 30 years later, the whole white hot two thing and go and try and relive that and all that. But I just wonder whether or not there's a bit of a flight of fancy, whether or not that's a bit of a distraction to what really does matter. And having... Having had a couple of games to think about it since last week's episode, I'm now going. Let's crash out of the FA Cup and let's win the uh, the Bristol Street Trophy, Trophy Motors, Bristol Street Trophy Motors. That's what I'd like to do. Um, I, it's uh, it's so funny, isn't it? I was, I was a bit underwhelmed by that uh, draw because we yeah. played Palace recently in Everton or Everton, like you know, I think <laughs> Everton or um, Everton. Great analysis Everton, yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Everton are just Everton. Um, if it was in Everton's new stadium, maybe. I suppose a few people will look at it and go, well, it's one last trip to Goodison Park. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I was a bit underwhelmed. I was hoping maybe one of the, the big six away are at home and we can get on telly. I don't think we'll get on telly uh, if, if we end up playing one of them two. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Bolton... I think Bolton can do both. I don't see us going much further in the FA Cup. To be honest, actually, I feel even though the away game was winnable, I think Luton and their players would have seen the way we play now and gone, ah, oh, right, OK, we're going to have to be better now to win. And I can see them getting a getting the win. Um, but, you know, there's no shame unless we lose 5 or 6 nil. It's like I said last week, there's no shame in, in if we got knocked out. Uh, and then you concentrate, yeah, on the league and the, the Bristol Street Motors Trophy. But... One thing I will say just before we go is that it's, um, I find it, I don't know, maybe this is the pessimist in me, maybe this is, I know Bolton fans, but the the club coming out and saying they expect 20,000 in that replay, I'm a bit like, mm, I'd, I'd be surprised if we got 10, to be honest, because Luton aren't going to bring many. A 20 quid a so, ticket, no chance. A 20 quid a ticket. I think if we, I think we're looking at eight, seven or eights, and I may be wrong and I may be underestimating things, but it's not like play, Luton are, they're a Premier League team, but they're not, are they? It's not like, we play Aston Villa in the in the Car- Carabao Cup. Yeah, there's 20,000 there, because it's like, oh, it's Aston Villa. It's, it's, it's a Premier League team. We've not faced these in a while. Mm. Luton, I know we've not faced them that much recently, but yeah, I, I personally, I'd be surprised if we got eight. I think that's a bit of an own goal making it the prices they have done. Yeah, I'm, I'm scratching my head a bit, to be honest. I, I would like to know the reasoning for it. I don't think there is any set reason. I think the the prices were decided a fair while ago for it, but it just, it's um, it's a bit of a head scratcher. I, I, 
personally, if it was send her a ticket and she just, you know, said to everybody, listen, we need to get you in. We need to pack this place. Let's let's get a result. I think Bolton fans would have responded. But at 20, it's a reasonable price for a ticket, obviously. But it's it's not going to convince people to get off the backsides necessarily and go in. Because everybody has to pay for it, obviously. It doesn't come under your season ticket. So, um, yeah, bit of an own goal, if you ask me. But, hey... It's it's it is what it is, um, uh, and as I say, it's just the the, t- the 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 shine has just come off the idea now. Really, since I um, walked back to the car from Kenilworth Road um, and basically took in the sights and sounds of Luton, the whole the whole idea, the whole the whole world has come crashing down around me. Um, and by the way, um, if there is a pessimist in you, please can you get out of Henry? I just I'd just <laughs> like to uh, like to make that point. Um, right, that is all we are going to uh, talk about this week. That is the end of the episode. This is where we cut it off. Um, it's been a good one. It's been a long one. It's been loads happening. Yes, yeah, and hopefully next week when we reconvene, we can uh, be talking about a win in the league, Bolton top of the league, and into the fourth round of the FA Cup. Um, against uh, Crystal Palace and Everton have been uh, been turfed out, and Bolton have been given a bye to the fifth round. That's the that's the ideal, I suppose. But um, yeah, and, uh, I don't bye away. Go, I don't want to go. Yeah, I don't want to go to Sellers Park. I'm I'm nonplussed about Goodison. I'm all right. I, I'm okay. I like Goodison. It's a nice traditional ground. Um, I've spent many a happy afternoon there. But the press box is crap, um, and it's worse than Accrington's. There, I've said mm, it. Um. Oh, actually, before we go, uh, some people will listen to this before the Bristol Seat Motors draw. Do you have you oh, any yeah. preferences? Uh, Brighton under twenty ones at home, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think it's actually uh, regionalised again for this. Is uh, it? I, I believe some people going around Twitter. I think I saw on Peter because I'm in on Peterborough Twitter as well. Oh, yeah, I think I course. saw it on there. So that would leave uh, Blackpool, Bradford. Doncaster or Wigan. Oh, I've got Doncaster at home, please. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? A trip to Valley Parade might be nice. I don't want to live in a world where Jack Dearden is right, but he told me it was regionalised last night, and I said, nah, we, they played Portsmouth last season. How is that possible? Don't tell mm. me the Portsmouth were in the Northern draw last season in the quarterfinal. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, God. Don't email me in. Don't at me. Don't. I don't care. I don't care. We'll play. We play. I'll just turn. I'll just turn up on a Tuesday and see who's, see who's which shirts are playing. I don't know what colour shirts are playing. Anyway, doesn't matter. No, yeah. That's it. I'm finished. I've, I've had enough talking now. This is the end of the episode. I've been Mark Isles. I've been Henry Hewitt. This has been the Buffer Sports.